Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, welcome to the Hokie Hangover Podcast. My name is Andrew Alex. Joined today by Jess Ricky because Mike has three jobs and a baby. What's going on, Rick? Uh, doing all right, man. It is. We're still recording this on a Thursday. Uh, we've had uh, many, many hours now to digest and heal from last Saturday, or excuse me, last Friday's defeat. And uh, hopefully we'll have a better result on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, at least uh, could it be more demoralizing? I don't know. But do you know what's not demoralizing? A trip to Main Street Pharmacy where you're greeted with a <laughs> smile at the door. Yes, Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg is the pharmacy you want to go to if you want a healthcare provider that truly cares about you. Be a neighbor, not a number, and look no further than Main Street Pharmacy. Dr. Jeremy Counts, who is back on Twitter, and his wonderful staff, they care of everything you need. I'll plug Jeremy's Twitter for those of you that are interested in following that again. Uh, Lord Dr. J1. Proud to uh, put me in his cover photo. So that's interesting. Uh, Jeremy, welcome back. Please don't get banned again. But Ricky, I mean, obviously you just mentioned it. No surprise now. We are far closer to the next game than we are to the previous game. But about a week ago, Virginia Tech went to Norfolk. Ricky LeBlue was in the stands. And, uh, you know, John McLaughlin told you to stay away. And he was right. Because you go to an ODU-Virginia Tech game, they lose. This one was different, right? You know, 2018, Old just, like, outplayed a Virginia Tech team that, you know, quite frankly, was, at least on defense, not very good. You know, look at the guys that were starting on defense there and how their careers turned out. But, you know, nonetheless, Ricky, perhaps the most self-destructive game of football I've ever seen, and Brent Price charts his career off 0-1. You know, lay it all out for us. So, as soon as Tech scored that first touchdown, I thought that, that Tech was going to be fine. Um, Obviously, the the poor snap, which was has got to be the longest long snap I've ever seen, <laughs> um, that completely changed the complexion of the game. And from that point on, Virginia Tech was not able to seize control of the contest on either side of, of the football. Tech played pretty good defense for most of this game. Obviously, the final... A few minutes did not go well defensively, but by and large, Tech's defense held their own and kept Virginia Tech in it. 
Virginia Tech's offense had very little rhythm after the first quarter. And that was kind of expected almost, but also not expected. I mean, Old Dominion's not a very good football team. I think most people that watched the game last Friday would, would agree with that statement. They're pretty experienced at a lot of positions, but they're not very good. And Virginia Tech almost won this football game by turning the ball over five times. Virginia Tech almost won this football game despite 15 penalties. So throw all that into the mix, and Virginia Tech clearly should have won this football game. I don't think anyone would would dispute that. But uh, some critical mistakes in critical situations, and those mistakes, Virginia Tech paid the price for just about all of them, and they paid the maximum price. They didn't really get away with any of these mistakes. Um, There were some critical, crucial penalties uh, that resulted in punts or turnovers or uh, missed scoring opportunities. Obviously, the turnovers themselves were just about all of them were, were pretty bad and, and pretty backbreaking, save for the Hail Mary at the end, which, you know, at that point, you're not really blaming Grant Wells for throwing that pick there. Um, but plenty of blame to go around, unfortunately, for this team. And um, the hope has to be that this is a wake up call for the Hokies this year. Um, as 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 glow as the off season reviews were, as as excited as folks got uh, coming into the season, and I'll throw myself into that mix, considering I picked this team at eight and four to start the year. Um, this has got to be a wake up call that things are not going to be easy this year. Um, and even though Virginia Tech's ro- or schedule, excuse me is not very good on paper, Virginia Tech's going to have a lot of issues in every game. And that's not to say that they're not going to win some of those games, but this is going to be a dogfight from 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 start to finish. And this week is not going to be any different. Yeah, Ricky, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, obviously the defense can't really control the offense's performance, right? But, you know, let's just say that the offense puts up you know, they don't turn the ball over four times. They turn the ball over once. Virginia Tech wins by, like, 14. You're walking away from that game, seeing the defense, and you're like, the defense played reasonably about as well as you could have asked them to. You know, we were talking about going into Old Dominion about the potential matchup problems that you know, Zach Koontz could, you know, potentially have with linebackers covering him, given his size. I'm blanking because it's been a week, but the name of their running back who Blake thousand Watson. yard Yeah, Blake Watson, thousand yard rusher. It's like, would we be able to control him, you know, between the tackles? And the answers to both those two questions were the resounding yes. The only old Dominion player offensively that had anything resembling his way against Virginia Tech defense was Allie Jennings. And you know, that was unfortunately for the Pokies, uh, you know, came to fruition mostly there at the end of the game. But, you know, you feel good about the defense. I mean, that being said, it was against Old Dominion. It did fold at the end. Virginia Tech's opponents going forward, offensively, will universally be better than 
Old Dominion, I mean, with the exception of Wofford. Who knows how things are going to play out. But it is safe to say that of the 12 games on Virginia Tech's schedule, Old Dominion offensively will be bottom three at the worst or at the best. You know, two, who knows? Maybe Wofford's better. The There's defense no chance have... that Wofford's better than Old Dominion. I know. Old Wofford's There's not no going to be. Chance. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, you know. At the end of the day, Virginia Tech's defense is going to have bigger challenges ahead. And the offense is going to have to be more productive to keep them in games. Now, it was certainly encouraging to see Keyshawn King. You know, if he's your number three running back and he can do that between the tackles, and you can imagine a situation where Holston gets back healthy, Malachi Thomas gets back healthy, and if the offensive line can remain healthy, you know, you have solid – starting potential for what they're trying to do on the ground in this new offense. And, you know, King would give you that flexibility on the outside too. But if Grant Wells can't make good decisions, the season's over. Now, I don't expect him to be as bad as he was on Friday in that, in that regard. And you're right, Ricky. Really, two of those interceptions were not his fault. But two of them were just, I mean, especially the first one where he just overthrew it right into, like, the breadbasket of the safety. I mean, I, I could only imagine Ricky LeBlue's reaction seeing that from the stands. And, you know, it's just a simple decision-making, you know. Press corner on a, on a little out route. You, you don't throw it there. <laughs> you just don't. Yeah, there was, I mean, each of the interceptions were just, just really hard to to accept and it didn't help that um each each of those interceptions really livened up the crowd i mean you know give odu credit to an extent they had a really good atmosphere in in, in sb ballard on on last friday and um you could feel the momentum change on all those turnovers sometimes you know you, you're able to kind of weather those but each of those picks felt extremely uh, extremely important in kind of the flow of the game. Um, and I, I know that the, the coaching staff isn't pinning all of those picks on Grant, um, but ultimately when you are the quarterback, responsibility falls upon you to take care of the football. And uh, this was an issue that Grant dealt with at Marshall, especially last year. And in large part, I think it's the reason why he's here now and not at Marshall. Um, I think he can be better. He has been better. But whether or not he can do that consistently is going to determine whether or not this offense is able to uh, be competent. You know, there there, there are some, some talented guys on the offense, even though there's what uh, doesn't feel like there's a ton of experience and depth. Caleb Smith going out early did not help this offense whatsoever. The offensive line kind of held their own, at least in the run game. Uh, Keyshawn King played exceptionally well. I thought Nick Gallo played probably one of his best games as a Hokie uh, in terms of his ability um, in the passing game. So there's this offense can be decent, but it ultimately is going to start with whether or not Grant Wells takes care of the football. And we all know he's got some pretty good arm talent. Uh, he he's able to get the ball downfield. He throws a, a pretty good deep ball. Um, 
but it doesn't matter if you're turning the ball over as many times as he did on Friday. And those those turnovers are only going to become increasingly important as the schedule gets better. And even though Boston College lost to Rutgers last week, um, I think most Virginia Tech fans would agree that BC on paper is a better football team than Old Dominion. Yeah, and VC was a game that I had coming into the season chalked up as a loss. Now, there were some things from that Rutgers game that lead you to believe that Virginia Tech might have a little bit of a better chance. VC, last year, you know, Pat Garwell was a thousand-yard rusher. They had multiple guys who, at least coming into the season, were considered to be veterans on the offensive line with the potential to, you know, make a push towards the pros. Now, I don't know off the top of my head how many of them actually, you know, ended up succeeding in that quest. But there is no experience on the offensive line. Pat Garwell, again, a 1,000-yard rusher from last year, like couldn't get anything going against Rutgers. They were absolutely dominated on the inside. So you look at Norrell Pollard, and you look at Josh Buga, and the performances, Mario Kendricks as well, all three of them played very well against Old Dominion. As you should expect, Virginia Tech's veteran defensive linemen, who seem like they've been playing forever at this point, to do against a you know group of five opponent that's not even really in the upper echelon of their own conference. So, yeah, and and kind of going off your point about Pat Garwo, he was a guy that was a problem last year uh, for a lot of teams, including Virginia Tech, and um this is going to be a real test of how physical Virginia Tech can play. Dax Hollifield had one of the best games of his career against Old Dominion. Uh, Pro Football Focus, you know, gave him like almost like a 90 grade. And I think he was like second amongst linebackers in week one. Um, Things theoretically are going to be a bit tougher against a, a team that's got a bigger unit up front and they've got uh, what seems to be a better running back in Pat Garwo, at least historically, but you're absolutely right. Boston college did not move the ball particularly well against Rutgers. I think Garwo only had, uh, yeah, only 25 yards on 14 carries and 20 of those yards came on one single attempt. So um, Zay flowers did have himself a pretty good game, which you would kind of expect. And, I am curious to see how Virginia Tech handles Zay Flowers in this one, considering Ollie Jennings was kind of the X factor for the for that Old Dominion offense. Hayden Wolf did not play well at all, in my opinion, uh, against Virginia Tech, but uh, Ollie Jennings made some incredible adjustments on the ball, uh, especially on some deeper throws, and ultimately was able to to get those completions against Virginia Tech's DBs. Um, Zay Flowers cannot be allowed to be given that opportunity. And Breon Murray comes back this week after his one-game suspension. And you have to wonder uh, if that will be able to make a difference. One thing Brent Prime mentioned uh, this week was that he felt like Armani Chapman and Dorian Strong played too many snaps and that it showed up in the fourth quarter. Well, Breon Murray, now is your chance to go ahead and get some snaps and try and make up for missing last week. Yeah, I mean, his absence was certainly uh, certainly noted. I mean, one thing that I think has really stuck out and got the Pro Football Focus account this year, Ricky, and Dax Hollyfield, Pro Football Focus-wise, best graded game of his career, like far and away. 60 is the baseline for, like, replacement-level player, essentially. 
Like he's not hurting you out there in the game. And Dax was usually, you know, throughout the course of his career, 65, 70 or He goes out there and he grades out as one of the best games that any linebacker in the country played in week one. We've been waiting a long time for Dax to make that jump. Do you think this is real? Do you think this is something that we're going to see consistently? Or it's like wait and see kind of deal. It's probably a wait and see for me. Um, it's, you know, I I don't want to be disrespectful to Old Dominion because I think they've got some talent on the roster, but you got to be able to do this against some, some better teams. I think, and I don't think that's un, unfair to say it, you know, we should certainly give Dax credit for, for how he played against Old Dominion. He was very disruptive. He was sound in his tackling. That was a huge issue for him in the past. The fewer chances in open space that you give players against Dax Hollyfield, the better it's going to be for him. He's much better in those tight situations in the phone booth uh, because he is pretty strong. He is pretty physical. Um, And if you can keep him in those spots, I think he can be pretty effective. So ultimately, Dax needs to show that he can do this on a consistent basis. And if he does, I think he gives himself at least a chance of getting drafted at the end of the season. But there's a long way to go. You know, there's obviously 11 more games to play. Virginia Tech's going to play some really physical opponents uh, later this year. Um, North Carolina, I think, could be an issue for him, given given how well they throw the ball. I think they're going to test stacks and coverage. We all know Pitt could be a problem uh, in terms of the physical run game. What can NC State do uh, later on in the schedule? So there, there's going to be plenty of games here where Dak's going to have to step up. Uh, and ultimately, he's going to have to play at a relatively high level all season to kind of be an anchor for this defense, especially since there's kind of some, you know, a lot of movement around him, especially at the linebacker spot next to him, where originally we thought Alan Tisdale was going to play, and now he's not eligible to play, and there's no, there's no timetables to when he will be eligible. Jaden Keller was supposed to be the option there. Um, all of a sudden, Jaden McDonald comes in, and he plays most of the snaps, um, and Jaden Keller gets in a little bit. So there's some instability next to Dax, so he's going to have to kind of hold his own uh, and make sure that he's doing his job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, Ricky, here's some trivia. What was the first game we ever previewed as a Hokie Hangover crew? So that would have been the 2018 season, I believe. Uh, 2019 season. Oh, well, then it would have been BC. And who shined for BC in that game? Uh, Zay Flowers. A freshman named Zay Flowers. True freshman. Here we are four years later, and he is still there. Uh, You know, Ricky, when you look at these teams, you know, both of them really, there's two players that stick out as guys that definitively have a shot, you know, to be an NFL draft pick, maybe even a high NFL draft pick. Phil Dracovic, Dave Flowers. And offensively, for Boston College, that's what you really got to worry about if you're Virginia Tech. Like, given the way that Allie Jennings performed and, you know, had these guys kind of ran out of gas at the end and what was over, otherwise – know a pretty good performance do you think that they can shut, shut this guy down like is virginia tech going to allow those two to single-handedly beat them 
I don't know about single handedly, but I do think that they're going to get their share of, of the production. I mean, Dracovic still threw two picks against Rutgers. Um, and while Dracovic is, I think, a, a decent quarterback, he's definitely shown um, some, you know, a, a propensity to turn the ball over. And uh, Zay Flowers, I, I think, is going to, you know, get get plenty of catches. I think that's just kind of hard to stop him in that route, but you can try and contain him. And given the guys around him that really haven't proven the ability to pick up the slack, if, if Zay is, is really being highlighted by the secondary, um, I'm not sure if Boston college will be able to to hold on to that. Now, if you go back to now, Jalen Gill is a guy that tech, some tech fans will probably be uh, aware of. He did play against the Hokies. He has played against the Hokies for the last few years. He was a tech recruit at one point. Um, he has had some success in the past against the Hokies. Uh, I'm probably going to mispronounce this name, but George Takics. Takics. Yeah, T-A-K-A-C-S. He had seven catches for 84 against Rutgers, so he has at least got, gotten off to a hot start this year. Um, but Virginia Tech's defense, I think, can at least hold the game, and I think they're going to be able to do that for most of the season. Um, and if they can do that, then it's down to whether or not Grant Wells can hold on to the football. If Virginia Tech's defense can't keep Virginia Tech in this game, then Virginia Tech could definitely be looking at an 0-2 start. Now, you know, with the wide receivers, Jalen Jones and Christian Moss nowhere to be found on the depth chart in week one. Now they're both listed as primary backups. Do you have any explanation for this? And do you think those guys can make an impact? You mean, is it a situation where, like, Brent Pryor looks at week one, he was like, I guess we've got to try some other guys, especially with Caleb Smith being, uh, you know, as questionable as he is right now health-wise. I think that's part of it. You know, Caleb Caleb not being ready to go certainly makes you kind of reassess uh, how you're going to get guys into the game. Um, they they really, really believe that Caleb is is uh, an explosive receiver, and he, you know, kind of looked like it early on in the ODU game before he got hurt. Uh, and we obviously know what he did this spring. I think the other part of it, too, is that Jaden Blue just has not made an impact. Um, you know, coming in from Temple, the, there was a, a fair bit of hype surrounding him, given that he you know, had a thousand yard receipt or a thousand yard receiving season at Temple. He has not impacted the game at all um, and did not do much at all against Old Dominion. Um, Dwayne Lofton, I thought, made a really nice catch. I can't remember if it was the third quarter or not. Um, I think Dwayne Lofton is a you know a, a decent option uh, for Grant Wells. Uh, Will Kakavitsis didn't. I don't. I don't even know what kind of st- kind of stats he accrued in the last game, but he had a crucial penalty on a, a, a blocking downfield, which turned into a pass interference. That was a, a critical play because it directly resulted in Virginia Tech kicking a field goal, in which the snap was sailed over Peter. Yep. Morgan. So uh, that was that was the first of the domino effect right there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Will Kakavitsis did not record a reception against Old Dominion. Stephen Gosnell had two for 30 uh, for what it's worth. Um, so I think it's just kind of Fontel Minds trying to juggle some things around and see if they can find some production elsewhere. Um, 
at this point you need to evaluate all your options and and make sure everyone's getting a fair shot because the only players that have even remotely secured significant playing time for the foreseeable future would be Caleb Smith and Dwayne Lofton. Everyone else is kind of on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can see it, Rick. I can definitely uh, – see, you got to hope with Jaden Blue, though, that uh, the injury is still playing a factor, right? Because, you know, the narrative with him always was going to be that Blue is this dynamic player, and then the Temple quarterback situation spiraled out of control, and yeah, that was the reason for his decline in stats. But, you know, new team coming off an injury. The narrative going in was this guy was going to be the number one of, you know, number one wide receiver. And to see him in game one as a non-factor, whether that be injury-related or otherwise, is still concerning. One catch, negative three yards. Not ideal. Not <laughs> ideal. Yeah, that's one way to put it. <laughs> How'd you think the uh, the offensive line held up, Ricky? I, I know Silas Dancy looked good out there. Uh, I thought they were okay. I mean, I, I, in my in my opinion, you know, I'm not a, a, a scout, and I know Pro Football Focus has their you know their data, but just from from the field, it looked like they were relatively good in the run game. Uh, they opened up a fair amount of holes uh, for for the running backs. No sacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No sacks. They got some really good help from the running backs and pass protection. I was very very pleased to see that. That was kind of one of the smaller things that we didn't see done very well under Justin Fuente, where the running backs often would just whiff on on some of their their pass protection assignments, and we didn't see that against Old Dominion. Old Dominion blitzed a lot. Um, I, I don't know that the data off the top of my head, but just you know from from watching the game, it felt like ODU was not scared to bring pressure at all, uh, and Virginia Tech handled that relatively well. Um, so it's it's an encouraging sign. Now, can they run the football against bigger and better opponents? I don't know. But I was encouraged by the way the running backs made guys miss, especially the first guy. If you can make the first guy miss, you give yourself a, a pretty good shot at, at a decent game. But, no, Silas, I thought, held his own on the left side. Uh, Parker Clements, I thought, held his own on the right side. He looked a little banged up at one point in the game, and, Hopefully that's not something that will linger. Um, but the the one thing that does frustrate me a little bit were, were the procedural stuff, kind of the, the delay games, things like, like that. That's inexcusable. It can't happen. Um, I know that you know they do happen from time to time, but you've really got to cut those out, especially week one when you've had you know months to prepare for this game. Uh, Virginia Tech was a bit a, a bit off in that regard. Uh, and hopefully they can clean a lot of that stuff up because if they did clean that stuff up against Old Dominion and they don't turn the ball over five times, they don't commit 15 penalties. Um, Virginia Tech probably wins wins that game despite playing poorly. So imagine what Virginia Tech can do when they take care of the football and they don't shoot themselves in the foot. That's that's kind of what you have to rely on as a Tech fan to you know to, to look forward and see okay where. Where can Virginia Tech pick up some wins on this schedule? And if they if they do all the little things and they play smart football, there's plenty of places where they can pick up wins. Yeah. No, I mean, the number of outcomes is, you know, there's a wide range of possibilities, 
You know what I mean, Ricky? Like, I feel like this defense is good enough that given the opponents on Virginia Tech's schedule, for the most part, not being world beaters, they can keep Virginia Tech in games, and it's going to be a matter of – I mean, I think a lot of these games are going to come down to, you know, provided that everybody stays healthy and like defense doesn't go into, like, complete collapse mode or something like that. I believe the defense you – know, you're, you're holding teams under 20 points possibly. I can see it. And then it's on the offense, flawed as they may be, to not make those mistakes. Like, if there's any team right now, I mean, given, like, Virginia Tech's wide receivers aren't getting any faster, right? Grant Wells is Grant Wells. Like, interceptions are going to be baked into the cake. But are you turning the ball over one time per game and not losing 100 yards of field position due to penalties? Because that's the situation where Virginia Tech can get some stuff done. But this offense of all teams has no flexibility to be shooting themselves in the foot. And that's exactly what they did against Old Dominion. Like Kirk Herbstreet had Old Dominion as like the number one team of last week, of week one. They didn't play that well. Nope. They were, I mean, they won the football game. I'm not denying that. And congratulations to them. I'm sure it's very exciting for their alumni and fans and players and you know, so they're, exciting. They've, they've done it twice in four years and stormed the field both times. Well, I mean, you know what? Virginia Tech <laughs> should be beating Old Dominion every time. So they could be excited. Oh, you're right. Absolutely. It's, it's an upset. <laughs> by all. By yeah, but all not measures. all upsets require a, a field storming, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, but, I mean, that's the thing you have to deal with when you lose, right? Like, those are. Those are problems that losers deal with. Um, if you win, you don't have to worry about those things. So, win, got to got to win some games. Yeah, no, I mean, and I good. They should soak it in, right? They should soak in a game where they were definitively the more talented team. You know, I, I did the the research on this. Least yards allowed to a FBS opponent. Since 2019, late 2019, and it was that pit game when it was pouring rain. You know, when you beat yourself, you should you should have to soak it on. Hopefully, you know that message comes across to Virginia Tech. But it's going to be a very. I hope there's ups because, given the limitations of this team, there's certainly going to be some downs this season. But I, I still don't look at too many games on the schedule right now today based on what we saw and think to myself oh, Virginia Tech can't win that game which if you had asked me before the game Virginia Tech loses to Old Dominion you know how down are you going to be on this team and their prospects going forward and I would, I would say expectations are like the ground they'll beat Wofford I don't feel that way because you are a you know, a botch snap away from they get out of that game close. And everyone's saying, well, the defense played pretty well. The offense could play better. You know, and the message would be kind of the same. But that's why, I mean, and, and of course, there's the new coach factor and all that. I don't see a huge sense of defeatism in this fan base right now because, I mean, you know, 
they could still go out and beat Boston College. Vegas thinks they're favored to do so. I, I expect there'll still be a pretty lively atmosphere at uh, at Lane Stadium on, on Saturday. Now they get blown out of the water by Boston College, and then suddenly things start changing. Yeah, zero and two start is um, is not ideal, obviously. Especially with the gauntlet coming up in October and West Virginia. Yeah, I mean, this was, looking good. This was supposed to be a relatively easy start to the schedule. Um, all of Virginia Tech's tougher opponents are baked into that middle portion that you were just referring to. Um, the The goal was you start off two and zero, you build yourself a little, little bit of a cushion. And that way, as you get into late September through October, um, if you lose, you know, most of those games, you still got a couple wins in your pocket, and then you hit the back end of the schedule where there seems like there's more wins available. Yeah, uh, I mean that I mean, that that was the roadmap, right? Three and one or four and zero oh in September. You face the gauntlet in October, and that could go a number of ways. Maybe you sneak one or two out there. I mean, even if, with one. And you and you were three and one, then that's you know you go into a like you said pretty easy four game stretch with the opportunity to get to eight wins, which for this team would be a massive success. Now you might be looking at you know if you don't beat Boston College, I don't think anyone's going to feel good about beating West Virginia. So at that point, we're looking at one and three, <laughs> and you go into a a month of October where Virginia Tech will likely be the underdog in every game. The most challenging games that they have, and three of the four of them are on the road. And you know, when you're like one and seven, two and six, even if you're more talented than some of the teams on the back end, morale might be so low that you know that could make an impact. Yeah, and that's on Brent Pride to, to not let that happen. I mean, that this is this is part of building a foundation for your program. You have to be able to handle adversity. You have to be able to rebound from mistakes. You've got to be able to clean up your mistakes. And you've got to remain competitive uh, in in as many games as possible. Uh, that's that's a hallmark of a of a solid program. And Brent Pry is in the infancy stages of building that. Um, and it's a lot easier to build that when you're winning football games. So it's on Brent Pry and his coaching staff to to get their team, uh, make sure that they're in the right mindset, uh, make sure that they're paying attention to the details and not not making those uh, those mental errors on the field like we saw against Old Dominion. It's up to, to the coaching staff to, to continue to preach the value of holding on to the football. Um, and if they do that, I think Virginia Tech can at least have an average season, you know, but – Right now, there's a lot of work to be done, and this week of practice it has got to be, you know, one of the most important of the season. Considering, you know, as we've mentioned now, there's a chance that Virginia Tech can start this year 0 and 2, and then uh, they start running into some really tough opponents, uh, and you have the possibility of the losses mounting up, which would not be uh, a not be a conducive environment for Brent Pry to try and and, and generate um, trust and faith in his process. Yeah, this season's all about building momentum. 
the actual outcome of this season, wins and losses, doesn't matter that much. But like you said, Ricky, it's laying that foundation for what you want this program to ultimately be. And part of that is getting out of this culture where losing is expected. Obviously, losing to Old Dominion is not a good start. <laughs> you emulate the low point. Well, one of the many low points. Yeah. Your predecessor's tenure. <laughs> there, were, there were several. <laughs> <laughs> All so different, too. But uh, yeah, I'll, that was the beginning I'll, of the end. Yeah, it was. But for me, I'll still never, never forget 2019 against Duke. That was... So that was... That uh, was that was, that was different. and it's incredible because they turned around and ended up finishing what eight and four, but yeah. that that game just felt different, and ultimately it kind of kind of showed. Speaking of 2019, man, you talk about like alternative history. Like you're a fourth quarter UVA drive away from the ACC championship game with a nine win season. If it's the butts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a merry Christmas, but. Like, yeah, I don't know. That's it, like another Fuente extension. I don't know. Yeah, it's well, alas, that did not happen. The UVA streak ended, and Justin Fuente's ultimate demise became much clearer in the season that followed. Yep. But uh, which again is also a travesty because the 2020 team was good. Some good football players. A lot of a lot of guys who dip their feet in the water in the pros on that team. The team wasn't very good, but there was there were individual talents on that roster for sure. When Hendon was on, Hendon was on. And obviously the way that they used him offensively was limiting to some extent. Obviously, I think he's probably gotten better as well, but oh, yeah, we've seen Hendon sure. unleashed. And unless one summer really changed him, it's a lot different the player he was in 2020 when he was getting juggled with a guy that has since been benched at San Diego State in the middle of his first start. All right, let's do our ECC picks for the week starting uh, what ended up being today, uh, even though we're recording this on Thursday, Friday night. Louisville travels to Central Florida. Uh, UCF is a five and a half point favorite. Uh, for those of you that didn't watch Louisville get jiffy popped against Syracuse, um, told you, told you it was going to happen. And I'm going with with uh, UCF to cover that. Yeah, some people out here trying to rank UCF. Louisville's lost all confidence for me. I'll, I'll take UCF. All right, we'll skip the the game that everyone cares about and get to that in a second. Noon on ACC Network. Hopefully there are plenty of tax fertile commercials. Southern Miss uh, gets to play Miami. This is Miami's second consecutive uh, cupcake opponent. Um, we saw them beat up on Bethune-Cookman last week. Uh, Miami is a 25-point favorite. I'm going with the Canes. Transitive property is... Not always meaningful, but we'll learn a little bit of how good we should feel about the Liberty football team after this one because Liberty went into like a four-overtime shootout with Southern Miss, a team that last year 
won three games and I believe relieved their coach of his duties uh, to follow. I'm going to say that other miss covers, but not by much. All right. Wake Forest. You've got Sam Hartman back. They're going on the road to Vanderbilt, which apparently has a new logo. Uh, Wake is a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. I'd be curious to see what this line was like two or three days ago before we found out Sam Hartman was playing. Um, I'm going to go with Wake. I know Vandy's 2-0, and but I feel like uh, Wake is going to go ahead and cover that 12-and-a-half points. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Wake as well. Vandy is... Andy's a tough one, man. But they did trounce Hawaii. So well, that's know, not Wake, that hard anymore. I think I think that Wake's offense is going to be tough to keep up with. That they're firing at all cylinders like they were last year. So give me Wake. Yeah, Wake is up to twenty third in the rankings. Also at noon on FS1, uh, the battle of the two academics, uh, Duke at Northwestern. Northwestern is a ten point favorite. Until further notice, we are betting against Duke in just about every spread possible. So Northwestern will cover. I do think Northwestern is going to cover, so I will pick them. But you guys all said that Temple was going to cover last week and Duke being 30 nothing. Just saying. That's right. That, that, yeah. is, that is accurate. Tyler Helinski is a better quarterback than Riley Leonard. Duke's got issues, man. We didn't see him in the first week, but it's probably just because Temple's trash. <laughs> Continuing with the noon trend here, Carolina is back on the road against another group of five team. They're in Atlanta on ESPNU against Georgia State. Carolina is a seven and a half point favorite. Uh, did you watch the end of the Appy State UNC game? I was on a boat. I was following it online, though. It was, uh, I know App State just came flying back. Yeah, absolutely nanners on both ends. Uh, well, Georgia State lost by three touchdowns to South Carolina on the road. ACC games with the pattern of playing on the road against G5s. Fantastic. Give me Carolina. I think they're better than they've shown. Defense has got to I mean, that offense can score a lot of points. If the defense can show anything, it should be fine. Yeah, I'm going to go with Carolina to cover this. I I don't think Georgia State is all that good. Uh, Appy State is certainly a lot better. And and North Carolina probably got a bit of a wake-up call last week. So I'll take the Tar Heels to cover seven and a half. A half hour later, uh, NC State will play Charleston Southern. I got to pull up a for this game because as we know we still bet all FCS games on this podcast or at least I do in honor of Mike McDaniel yeah somebody's got to be a degenerate around here oh goodness okay here's one place that has NC State at minus 44 and a half (laughs) I'll take Charleston Southern Good God. Yeah, at 45, 44 and a half points is, is quite a lot. Uh, I know NC State's going to be pissed off about their uh, lackluster performance in Greenville, 
but I don't think the Wolfpack are going to uh, unleash the dogs in the in the fourth quarter uh, against this team. So that was a game I actually did watch on Saturday because I was on the boat for a lot of the you know the day portion uh, of the college football slate. But I was on the boat with a, an ECU alum and an NC State alum. So things got dicey. So we had to pull it up on the phone. And, I was going to say, surprisingly, neither one of them ended up in the water. Uh, I'll, I'll take the I'll take Charleston Southern to cover forty four and a half. That seems like a lot. Um, moving into the next time window, ACC Network at three thirty p.m. Furman plays the uh, Clemson contract extensions for Dabo. Uh, Clemson coming off a kind of a meh win against Georgia Tech, where they pulled away late. Um, Here's another spread I got to find. As we know, uh, Mr. Mr. Alex, um, Furman can be a problem. I was just about to say that if you didn't. I was like season one of Hokey Hangover. <laughs> our, All right. So Tiger Net. We're going into dismal territory Tiger, early on. Tiger Net has it also at a 44 and a half point spread. So, same deal. I'm going with Furman to cover that. Give me Clemson. Their backup quarterback's better than their starting quarterback. So, once they'll get a lead with the starting quarterback and then hit the accelerator. That is if DJU doesn't get benched. That's true. <laughs> uh, this is my personal favorite game of the week. Uh, and I called this on Twitter. I've booked it already as a dub. Uh, they're also six-point favorites. Tennessee marches into uh, the stadium, formerly known as the Ketchup Bottle. Um, Tennessee, again, six-point favorites against Pitt. Uh, I said Tennessee's winning this, and uh, I think Tennessee wins, but I don't know that they win by more than six. So I'm going to take Pitt with the points, but I think Tennessee wins this game. Tennessee by 10. Give me Hendon Hooker. The Pitt game just did not instill much. The Pitt-West Virginia game did not instill much confidence in that team for me. So I will – this is funny, though. It's it's one of those games where Tennessee's ranked number 24. They're playing on the road against number 17 Pitt, and they're almost a touchdown favorite, which means that if this game was at a neutral site, they chalk this up to you know, Tennessee's about nine points better. Rankings don't always reflect, uh, you know, what the people who – have a lot to lose. Think about it. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right there. 4 p.m. I don't know why this was such a long series. I feel like these two teams have been playing for approximately 15 years now. Virginia is at Illinois. Uh, Illinois is at 1-1, one and one, and they're a four-point favorite at home against the Hoos. Um. Give me, give me UVA to to cover that. I think UVA, pro- I think actually wins this game outright. UVA's offensive line sketches me out, <laughs> but Brandon Armstrong's a heck of a quarterback, as we know. I'm gonna say, it's tough. It's tough. Give me a long, Illinois by seven. You said Illinois by seven. Yep. Illinois wins and covers. All right. And at 7 p.m., two teams that should just go ahead and play each other every year, honestly. Syracuse at UConn. Syracuse is a 23-point favorite. 
Uh, give me Jim Mora and, and the Huskies to cover that. No. Syracuse, <laughs> the, the UConn football got a long ways to go. They who, do, but who is Syracuse that guy? Lechtenberg, Lechtenberg, the TXVT guy. He's like the the director of recruiting there at UConn now. So it's TX2CT. Uh, but <laughs> just change one letter. All he had to do was change yeah, one. Exactly. He had that branded on the back of his truck. So you know, it's, <laughs> that was kind of embarrassing. After a certain point, once all the fans turned and he had to park outside the Merriman Center with that giant. You know, the big back window of the pickup truck completely TX to VT. But no, UConn sucks. I hope UConn makes a comeback. It's a shame how bad they are. This is a team that was in a Power 5 Bowl almost as recently as Virginia Tech was. Maybe the exact same year. I'm not sure. But uh, no, Syracuse look good. Uh, Sean Tucker, maybe. They're going to win by like 30. Yeah, I mean, they, they, are, they are the better team, I think. But they're outside of outside of the the Jiffy Pop Dome, you know. UConn looked a little bit better than I think people had expected last week. Um, people are starting to really believe in Jim Mora. So twenty three points, I think UConn can take care of that. I've already found a spread for this one: Georgia Tech twenty two and a half point favorite against Western Carolina. Um, Georgia Tech. I think covers they looked a bit better than folks expected, I think, against Clemson. They look good defensively and Jeff Sims can do some things. Give me George Tech. All right. And the primetime game of the week on the ACC network. I'll be in attendance again for this one. Boston College at Virginia Tech. Both of these teams at risk of going 0-2 to start the season. Uh, which I would not have expected for either of these teams, quite honestly. Tech is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home in Brent Prize's first game in Lane Stadium. Andrew, what you got? Uh, give me Boston College to win and cover. Dracovic uh, and Zay Flowers are the two best players on the field, which neutralizes a lot of what Virginia Tech's you know, strength is in terms of what's going on defensively. I mean, Boston College's O-line sucks. But, I mean, it's going to come down to Grant Wells. I think the turn, if the, the penalties don't get cleaned up, that is a massive issue. And we'll be talking about that at length because that comes down to coaching. These are the same players last year. And Justin Fundo's teams didn't get penalized a lot. Just a bunch of teams didn't turn the ball over a lot either, but, you know, they weren't giving Grant Wells the football. Grant Wells is who he is. So we'll see if he can, you know, exercise better decision-making and limit the turnovers, not even go turnover list, but limit the turnovers. I think Tech can win, but I'm going to defer to the history that he doesn't necessarily do that. And Boston College might be one of the more, if not the most prestigious program he's ever faced maybe 2020 season you're only playing in conference who they played last year out of conference i don't know either way it's got to be close it would if grant wells has a good game here though you know stock's going to be way up so a whole lot of variation but i'm hoping for the best expecting the worst here and going with the eagles to win uh i would say by about seven points seven to ten 
low scoring affair. I find it hard to believe that either of these teams are going to start 0-2, but obviously one of them does. DC's uh, on the road in this game. Um, I feel like Pry is going to get this figured out for at least this week. There's no way Virginia Tech has 15 penalties again. I I just I'd be absolutely floored if if that happens. Um, I think Grant Wells will have a much better game uh, in this one. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of ups and downs from him throughout the season. I've been comparing him to Ryan Ryan Willis since he got here. I think that comparison uh, gets uh, gets validated. You know, anytime we see him on the field. Uh, whether it be in spring or in preseason camp or in the game, I think I think this is going to be a better performance for Virginia Tech. Um, so I'm going to go with the Hokies to win this, and two and a half points is is not that much. So I'll take Virginia Tech to win, and for a score, we'll go with um, twenty-four to twenty. Twenty-four to twenty. All right. So, uh, I mean, I'm, again, it's like, you know, Mike used to write those articles uh, for every game. Like, the five reasons Virginia Tech will win, the five reasons Virginia Tech will lose. And if he did this for this game, I would read both arguments and be very compelled. You know, this one could truly go either way. There's just a whole lot of unknowns at play. Uh, no result would surprise me outside of maybe Virginia Tech's having an offensive explosion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see that, but I think the main thing for me in this game is that Virginia Tech's offense doesn't lose the football game. Um, if the Hokies can, can you know, clue in on these turnovers, and also, let's be honest, the special teams did not look particularly good either against Old Dominion. So Virginia Tech needs to clean these things up. If they can do that, all of a sudden you feel a bit better about the rest of the season. If they don't, uh, then you know we're obviously starting with an 0-2, 0-2 record, and then you're you know you're really starting to wonder, okay, uh, what are the issues that aren't getting fixed, and and what are the options to fix them? Um, everyone gets you know their 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 mulligan game of the year, especially at this level where teams just have that one game where they don't have it. They 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 try, they play to lose almost because they they just can't can't get out of their own way. That was Virginia Tech last week. I have a feeling that things are going to be a bit better. I sure, I sure hope so because I'm going to this game. Uh, I'll be in the press box, and um, I'd much rather be able to drive back uh, after this game in the middle of the night after a win than drive back after this game in the middle of the night thinking about Owen two. Well, you got to come say hi to me at some point, Rick. I'm already in Blacksburg right now. Where are you, where are you sitting? Uh, I will be in East. Okay. Well, but I'll, uh, I'll let you know when I arrive, and I'll make sure I come by your tailgate because I know you'll certainly be partaking in, in pregame festivities. Yes. Yeah, it's amazing how many birthdays fall in the first, <laughs> first, uh, first game of the season. So it's exciting. All right, Rick. Well. Rate, review, subscribe, I guess. Yeah, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, go tweet at Mike McDaniel. Tell him he better be back here next week. Um, next week, we should have two episodes, hopefully. Uh, one to kind of recap this game. 
and then yeah we um, might we might be able to stick to one for a Wofford preview but if we lose yeah maybe yeah, we have true. to uh maybe, maybe we do we'll have, have to go in depth on the terriers yeah we'll have to reassess at that point um yeah if you're you know if you're looking to get to a tech game this year the the thursday night or against west virginia is a great one to go to i'll, I'll be there as well all right folks enjoy the game if you're going tweet at me drive safe drive safe Go to Main Street Pharmacy. Buy me a beer, as always. Go hooking. <laughs>